Sean, welcome. Hey, thanks, bud. Hey, so it's great to have you back on. It's been a long time since I last had you on when I was just the Fatherhood Podcast. Yeah. And at that time, we focused a lot on just you being a dad. Yeah. And kind of the essence of that. I want to do the interview today more specific about you and who you are. Neato. And um, I want to also have you share some news that you're going to have your second child, right? That's right. That's right. Second child on the way. I was going to ask if uh, how long ago was it and if we were trying yet for the second one. Um, I can't remember exactly I, when all sense of time has just right. disappeared. That's true. Between child rearing and uh, pandemic. It's <laughs> yeah. just like all gone. I do think you were trying, but you weren't... I think you might have already been pregnant mm -hmm. but you weren't publicly disclosing that yet and I remember we okay. finished recording you're like it would be exciting for the next one because I'll have some news to share okay. I think I remember you saying that off recording alright okay that makes so sense that it makes might have been that would have like been like October. eight months ago right yeah, yeah. like that wow. Wow. feels yeah. like longer Oddly, it does feel like, like longer ago yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll have to check the archives <laughs> yeah yeah go back through yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we have we have uh, another one coming. A uh, little girl this time. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We hit, the, we hit the double. I'm so pumped. Yes. Oh my god, I wanted a girl so bad. Because we have, you know, we have a little boy. I, you know, I don't really like him. He kind of sucks. <laughs> so I figure we'll just get a girl. Hopefully that'll be better. And she'll uh, be your and favorite. Maybe, of maybe I could love this one. Right. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, want a little man. balance of that? Obviously, uh, the little, you know. Race loves his mommy very much. Oh, that's true. You, you, See, want, I don't, you want a little bit of that love too. I don't know. I used to. It's so funny. I used to, that used to be a little more heartbreaking for me. I'm so used to it now. It's just like <laughs> I expect it. I expect to be like, "Hey, race, how's it going?" And he runs away from me to his mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just a thing that happens sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited. Uh, Charlotte, little Charlotte Jane Martin. We have a nice. name picked out and everything. Uh, Cheyenne's due date is in uh, one month as of yesterday. Wow. Yeah, so she got me out of bed early this morning, pull out all the baby stuff from when Race was a child, and when Race was a baby. Right. And uh, so she's just going through all that now and figuring out what we need and yeah. getting it all ready, cleaning everything. It's all dusty and, you know, been in storage. So, yeah, yeah very exciting. Wait, what's the obviously there's lots of stresses that come with that but what's like one of the more very sure. exciting things in the beginning uh like expecting another child yeah or you even mean, after or... they're born like what what are some things the interactions that you might have with a newborn that are like you're oh, really looking man. forward to? there's like it's such an emotional thing i don't know uh i'm not really like i feel like i'm not that sappy you mm -hmm. know like i don't get like super emotional about a lot of things but uh yeah when race was born that was just like that was a different way of being it was like <laughs> it was like the level of emotion like am i on drugs right now like really? what is happening yeah wow. like just so much love and like ugh. oh it's so nice just being able to hold your offspring as like a little newborn yeah it's a different thing it's going to be interesting having race around too because um with race 
just having the one, you know, I took, uh, I think like two weeks off of work and then another two weeks of just like part time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, helping out and and being around and, you know, all that stuff while Cheyenne's recovering. And, um, now it's going to be interesting doing all of that and trying to juggle with a little sociopath who like (laughs) (laughs) has to have his way all the time, you know? And like trying to and how think, is he trying to cope think with, that? with helping make sure he's potty training while also right. dealing with a newborn. But I also remember when Race was a newborn, my level of patience was just like I was a completely different human being two and a half years ago. Interesting. Like my patience level. I remember getting frustrated when like and and like super anxious when I couldn't figure out like what was wrong with Race, why he was crying, you know, and I can't help him. You know, I felt so bad yeah. about that. And yeah. now, like, having, like, gone through all these stages of development with him, I mean, he's only two and a half, but it's still, like, been through so much now that it's, like, I think a lot more stuff just kind of rolls off my back. And, yeah. like, I know everything's going to be okay. It's no big deal. Like, I'll just deal with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you think you'll have more patience this time around and be maybe less hard on yourself oh, if yeah. you can't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unless, you know, like the whole hard on myself thing. It's more just less stressed, like... The frustration. Yeah. 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 I think of, like, like the stress of stuff like that as a tangible thing. Like, you have enough stress, and it'll stop you from physically doing things. Like, you could have all the time in the world, but if you're stressed out, you have to take time to decompress. Like, you will just have a worse chance of making the, you know, quote-unquote better decision of, like, you know, I have 45 minutes, I'm going to work out. As opposed to if you're super stressed, you're like, I have 45 minutes, I'm going to watch YouTube videos, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that just goes along with being in a weird mind space. Yeah. And I think it's going to be easier to stay in that positive mind space now that I have a little bit of experience. Right. Yeah, so uh, an interesting you know, thought experiment that I always have, and I mm-hmm. think that applies to you mentioned, you know, the, the Sean before Race was born two and a half years ago was a very different Sean. Yeah. It's like a totally different human being. Turn that phone off, you bastard. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention it. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, um, it, it kind of goes in with the whole uh, idea of, like, what kind of advice would you give to a person that wants to become a parent or to that Sean what's, what's some, like, key things? And I think you already kind of mentioned a little bit, like, patience, obviously. Well, well, okay, so specifically for younger Sean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I like, I think it goes along with being like a turbo nerd my whole life, mm-hmm. but like, I fantasize, I fantasize about things, that's how I like, get into hobbies, like, I, when I first started playing guitar, I like, fantasized about being able to just like, be with my friends, and play some songs we know, we all sing together, like, I fantasize, sure. I saw other people do stuff like that had that fantasy and then that's when I picked it up and started working on it you know and a lot of the times I would like a lot of things I like fantasize about and then if it's not like the not think about the process of it not enjoy the process of it and just like want that end result thing mm-hmm. um like some people call that visualization. Visualization, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I visualize things like that all the time. Yeah. And so. And then you work towards trying to achieve that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Um, and so I would definitely just. That's like, a good trait. 
Yeah, know? no, I'm not. I'm ha- like, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a lot of different interests because of that. Yeah. You know, but uh, I really want to. Uh, lately, I've been working on really enjoying every step of it because it's like you don't want to wake up at that. You're not. You're not ever going to be like, oh, okay. You know, five years ago, I visualized this thing, and now I have it. So now I get all of that bottled up, saved fulfillment. Like mm. that's just not how it works. Five years from now, you are you. Five years ahead. Yeah. And that person five years ago is a stranger. You right. know. Um, so you're not. You, you, before maybe not a stranger, you would rush to the end zone, but now it's more about you know enjoying every yard right. along the way. Right. Or or like like I'll just I'll just take on a bunch of hardship now or I'll I will forego any enjoyment now mm-hmm. in order to more quickly achieve that goal or um, or you know do this thing just a little bit better or whatever and now my mindset has shifted because for the first time with a child like I, there's just no matter how you optimize or how I have optimized my schedule and like tweaked this and that, like you just you just can't do it all. Right. You just can't do it all. That's if you could, then everything would be boring. What's the point of doing anything? Right. Like it's time. Right. You know? Making hard choices is part of living. That's part of it. That's yeah. part of it. Yeah. And I think I've come to the conclusion of like it's better for me to and it's it's weird to even like state it like this, but if I'm stating it the harshest way I can, it's better for me to compromise on my very steep goals, my very steep things that I've visualized, mm-hmm. and maybe lower that a little bit, so that in the meantime, getting to that lower gradient, I can enjoy myself and enjoy the people around me, and uh, look back on that process and not think about how hard that was but thank god I'm here now right you know what I mean yeah that's, that's, and that's find beautiful. that balance yeah yeah taking taking pride in achieving the little things yeah and and enjoying that journey and not yeah. being too hard on yourself like because like, like you said you're a nerd guy and you probably you know, I think all nerds that love video games and board games and things like that we love trying to find the best strategy and be super efficient mm-hmm. and perfecting your strategy to win. And it feels really good when it works. And yeah. then if it does bad, okay, go back to the drawing board, refine the strategy, whatever. Sure. And optimize, optimize, optimize. Yeah. But when you try to apply to the life, it's good generally, but life is hard. And then when you keep losing or you're not perfectly optimizing, so it feels like you're always losing, but you're not really losing. You're no. still doing fine. Yeah. You just not getting that vision of like perfect optimization I'm Elon Musk you know or whatever and it's <laughs> uh, like yeah. reality is like life's harder than a board game you know well there's just so many there's so many unknowable quantities like you yeah. can't just wrap your like people who like have it all wrapped up have just they they fucked up they oversimplified <laughs> you know like sure. like you, there's <laughs> got to be enough unknown stuff that stuff stays in, things stay stays interesting yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit of random chaos yeah. that's when that's when you get like the well my hobby's golf so every sunday at 9:30 i go golfing and i 
that's it. That's just what I do, and that's my thing. Right. And I have my two friends. And those people can and be pretty happy. They can. They can be I content. I think I think of it as like a range. A range. If you don't mm. like you're preventing yourself from ever hitting a point where you're like, I bit off more than I can chew. Uh I you know, I overextended myself and so this thing that I want to do a really good job on I screwed it up and that feeling of failure hurts so fucking bad it sucks it feels really bad so in an effort not to feel that failure you just don't you just don't go as far you don't try as hard there right but then that like if you're looking at it as like a little sine wave what do you, graph it's like a sine wave graph yeah like your your lows are are higher but then your highs are lower right it's just you know like more I mean? of this humming line. Because that feeling yeah. when you like perfectly nail it, like I think of it when I like have catering things and I like take on four catering events in a weekend. Yeah. You know, where it's like, unless I perfectly optimize this, this is 50 to 60 hours of work in three days. Right. You know, right, and right. it's like, okay, like, bring it How on. How do we do it? And yeah. then it like, I, I have yet to like find that limit. Like I have yet to bite off so much that like you I completely mm. screw someone's party up. Because that's gonna feel really bad, and I hope I never <laughs> do it. That's gonna feel really bad. But um, you're excited to push that boundary. But I want to. I yeah. want to. I want to find where that is. Because at the end of that weekend, if I have slam dunked all these parties and everyone's super happy, and I've made what I would make in a month at my day job in a weekend. That feels really, really good. And yeah. it makes it possible for me to, like, then visualize, okay, you know, I want to buy this vacation home and take months at a time just learning construction and trying to build things and stuff. And it's not like I can do that in my 50s when my body's still good, hopefully, you know, if I'm not taking those chances and making more money. I just won't be able to financially do that and have a large family and all that stuff. Right, you know? right. Yeah, and you know, on the drive here, I thought a bit about you as a person. And I'm, I'm happy to let you describe yourself, but I, okay. I, but the best thing that came to my mind is that you are a Renaissance man. You're, you're a master of none, right? Yeah. Definitely, so I would say that. so yeah. so you and it doesn't mean master none doesn't mean that like you're not good at anything that's not true you're good at plenty of things you're just and I think amongst our friend circle the best opposite or characterization of the two would be our friend Maddie who I would argue is maybe she's a, a, a she's a master beast. at the mandolin like virtuoso right <laughs> yeah. But if you were to ask her to like, I don't know, like go fix the toilet because it's clogged or whatever, like or, or whatever, I don't know. Tell me how best to maximize doing my taxes or like, those are all things that, like that she doesn't care about. It's like right. I just want to be amazing at this thing, and right. anything else that I need in my life, I'll I can go hire a plumber or I yeah. can go get a person a tax accountant to help me with that. Like there's no point in me learning those things, yeah. and I'm not interested in learning. Yeah, and we and we haven't been as close lately, so I was like I couldn't speak to her now. But uh, I know, like, just by following her on social media and stuff, like I I'm sure that used to be more so than it is now. I know that she's doing like a lot of other instruments now. More interest, absolutely, crushing the bass. Bass, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But definitely in the earlier like years, yeah. it was like mandolin, mandolin, right. mandolin. Meanwhile, I can't like, I can't just focus on one thing. Like I, I'll lose my mind. Right. Yeah. I have to have like fifteen or more little things going on and stuff. And that's even like my work. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And and this gonna is a question I kind of thought of to tie into. Well, I'm gonna say a statement, which is I I think that modern society extremely financially rewards people for being really good technical specialists at one thing mm-hmm. or masters of one thing very mm-hmm. niche that's what capitalism currently is rewarding of where yeah. maybe in the 1800s it was very beneficial to be a renaissance man i think you had to i think you, you had, had to. you had to do that depending on where you were like you could hyper specialize if you just didn't have to worry about right. your financial it was hard to outsource things back then right right yeah you you're out in out. the middle of a farm you need to build the house you need to figure out farming, you need to figure mm-hmm. out the animals, you need to figure out fixing clothes and sewing and all these things. You're running in a state, you have to be able to oversee the people who are looking over all of this stuff if you're if you're wealthy, right. if you're like mega wealthy. And if you're not mega wealthy, well then, yeah, you still probably, <laughs> if you were like even super not, like if you were poor, right. you still have, then you're making all your own stuff. You're so, you're like, I just read a thing about, uh, flour what is it um flour mills Mm -hmm. in the late 1800s early 1900s started uh stopped using these like plain white cloth bags for their flour Mm -hmm. and started using uh like a printed cloth uh, like flour print and stuff because they found out these housewives super poor housewives were taking the flour bags taking them apart and sewing clothes for their children out of them that's right right and so they're like they want they advertise flower print well they know they'll do like flower prints so that they're oh, able to pretty, do like a pretty, pretty dress for their daughter uh-huh. and stuff it's super nice like super cool yeah um but like it just what i thought of was like jesus they're like like the idea now like that was so normal then but now mm-hmm. the idea that you are so poor that you have to sew clothes for your children right. like oh my god it would be like taking the grocery bag and then trying to repurpose it as like a halloween costume or that's something. right that's yeah. right well also like talking about hyper specialization living in a city like you were ju- you would just be better getting a job at subway and using that money to buy to buy clothes because you can buy such cheap stuff because it's all outsourced right that wasn't the case back then but but yeah it's true i think capitalism definitely uh modern day capitalism definitely is rewarding the specialists and maybe not so rewarding for the renaissance man but definitely not and what i would now ask you is uh because i i also feel like a renaissance man I, i think there's a lot of value in it maybe not so much monetary success but Mm -hmm. as a parent how do you deal with raising a kid and going man i love a lot of things and i want them to love a lot of things but you also want to try to help set them up and so it would be in your best interest as a parent to try to help them specialize a little bit it depends on what your goals are i i think that um that that you know what i think of I, i was raised with all these stories of like no you could like you're gonna be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, okay. All of the people who I looked up to in the cooking world, because sure. now, now I'm, you know, I have a catering company, I do my crawfish boils, uh, I have a little cocktail thing I started. Uh, I think we even touched on that last time That's we right. talked. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like I, I have all these little things, but it used to be just working in kitchens. It used to be just food, uh, a lot of like fine dining stuff, running kitchens, stuff like that. And all of these people who I looked up to, who I like read their books and stuff, all these chefs, like came from this background where like, yeah, my parents or my grandparents ran a little deli and they worked 90 days a week somehow. They just came up with 83 more days and worked them <laughs> and like, you know, all this crazy hard life and they really worked hard so that their children or grandchildren could go to college and become an accountant, you know? And then when their kid's like, that blows ass. I'm not going to do that. I want to be like great grandpa and wrestle bears, kill them and make them into bear sausage for our family eatery, you know? And their parents are like, what the fuck, dude? I worked so hard for you not to have to do this. You now work 90 days a week and you make $50,000 a year. What the fuck did you do? I set all of this up for you, you know? Right. But they're like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be an accountant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do it. You know, right? And it's hard. It's also like you can't say that you're you're happier doing this than you ever could have been being an accountant. Maybe you could have just pushed through it, and you know, been happier. You don't know. Right. There's no way to know. Sure. But they're not miserable. You know, they're doing their thing. I mean, you look at like David Chang. He's a fucking empire. He's crushing it. Right. He's got a family. But he's you know? much more than just a chef, obviously. Yeah, that he's takes an a, entrepreneur. Right, yeah. which, renaissance man. Right. Like, right. you know how to do all that stuff yourself, you do it. Like, there's um, there's a bunch of places but that he are... He did get good at one thing first. Right. Yeah. yeah. Super and good And then he thing. learned, I imagine the order was, he. I don't know his full story, but I imagine the order was get really good at cooking. Yes. Get good at that, then figure out how to start a business and do all that stuff yeah right? well really he didn't even do that he just and started cap, it cap, he just started it anyway on your <clears throat> skill yeah right? he did so he did he just he didn't even like learn business he just did he it. just did it he okay. just did it and talked to the right people. failed and almost went out of business oh, okay yeah. and then actually had like a fuck it moment where he was like compromising on his business to try not to go out of business mm. and he made the decision consciously to be like it looks like i'm going out of business anyway so i'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want I'm gonna like spend all the money I want to on nice ingredients charge way too much and just spend all the time making like really nice stuff and instead of going out of business in a year I'll go out of business in three months but those last three months I'll be gangster and he does it and three months later he's like breaking it in because people love what he's doing which is yeah. like that's so inspirational you know yeah right but um <clears throat> but the point is like he 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 knows how to unclog a fucking toilet Right. Be better because he can't afford a plumber during those three months, you know? Right. And right. then you look at, like, um, <clears throat> there's a restaurant. Oh God, I wish I remember the name. But there's a restaurant up in uh, Vancouver where uh, this guy, it might even just be called Hunter, but this guy hunts wild game. Okay. And But he's, like, your classic renaissance man. He has, like, a cabin, and he hunts wild game. He, he has other people who hunts wild game, and he serves it all. But he, like... <clears throat> He has, like, a property with a bunch of trees on it and stuff. And he, like, cut down trees and made all the tables for his restaurant and made all the chairs by hand. And, yeah. like, little tiny place, you know, only a couple people working there. Right. But, like, once again, total Renaissance man thing. He's made yeah. it work for him. You know, I think he got into the limelight because, like, a bunch of vegans were protesting his shit. Mm. And so his, his response... But his whole reason was, like, 
all of our stuff is super hyper sustainable. Right. We don't ever use factory farmed meat. We right. don't use any vegetables that you it's know, not hunting aren't. endangered animals. That's right. He's hunting in That's overpopulation right. That's of right. deer and he or has whatever. A small it is. enough restaurant that he can do that sustainably. Right. And his whole thing is like these animals are living beautiful lives, you know, right. and then we get to honor them and eat them, right. whatever. That's it, like his, super his whole thing, right? Yeah. It's super healthy, exactly. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> oh, but his, his answer to like these vegans protesting mm-hmm. was he, uh, he has like glass storefront for his restaurant. Yeah. He set up a butchery table right in front of the glass tables oh, no. where they're protesting. Oh, no. He would like butcher it's these animals. Them. Oh no. It's so rude. Oh no. Oh man. That's so Love so it. trolly. Yeah. I mean I feel like, like cringe that you gotta make that kind of stand when you're being attacked. It got it bit, it got him you know? a ton of notoriety and he is doing just fine. Yeah. 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 Cause his message is not that unreasonable. Yeah. Especially when there's restaurants out there like seating 300 people and using factory farm pork like yeah. that seems like a better target right yeah yeah anyway that's a tangent but um yeah but i think i think there's ways to make the renaissance man thing work granted if like if you go and get a college degree you know in a specialized field you would hope that like okay yeah you have this debt but you could pay that off if it's a high paying field right um and you could you could get away with only working forty hours a week, and still make six figures. Right. You know, whereas like, if I want to make six figures, doing catering, like, with my own business, yeah. it's gonna be a ton of work. Right. And if it, everything goes perfectly, eventually I'll set myself up in a place where I'm like, making six figures and working forty hours a week. Right. Like, right. That's the dream. But like. I have no, I have no like illusions that if there's a possibility that won't happen, you know. I mean, obviously, I think either way, whether you become a specialist or a Renaissance man, both take effort, right? They both take effort. Yeah. And I, I do think that, like you mentioned, the guy in Vancouver, Renaissance men can be successful, can be very successful. Yeah. I think they can't be extremely successful typically, mm-hmm. unless. Or, or if they do become extremely successful, it takes time because you've right. allocated so many years of time becoming good at different things. The payoff might take 40 years, but once you're in your 50s, there could be a big payoff. Right. A specialist can take less time and then more quickly achieve moderate success Definitely. at a younger age Definitely. because they've specialized. And then, like you said, maybe they only have to work 40 hours. And they can then enjoy the rest of their time. Right. And they could even then become a renaissance man. They could take that extra time, which I see more and more now. They're taking that extra time, and instead of pissing it away, they're using it to learn things and better themselves. And Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. And get, like, super in-depth hobbies. That's definitely, like, that makes sense. Right. That makes sense. I'm I'm less thinking of, like, I guess the role model setting for my children Mm -hmm. and more being, like, if I, when I'm growing up, I think, like, I would love for my kids to be like, yeah, my dad taught me how to build things with my hands. Mm-hmm. My dad taught me, you know, to be physically active and interested in the sport. Uh, my dad taught me how to play board games. My dad taught me how to, like, run a dun like a like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which is like a whole creative thing on its own. Sure. My dad introduced me to these multiple different types of music and like got me interested in playing music. 
you know, my dad got me uh, interested in all these movies, and I learned about, like, you know, film direct, because, like, thinking of growing up, like, I'd meet these people who were, like, similar ages to me, and they would have this, like, wealth of knowledge in, like, music. They'd be like, have you heard any of these six bands that came out in the last five years and look at all these things they're doing and it was just like so foreign to me yeah you know um and but it got me super interested you know and 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 cultivating that in my children i think is important and if they want to like go like into a hyper specialized field and make a lot of money like hell yeah right it, it, like that's awesome saying, so like let you should them give them every out. opportunity give them every opportunity to do that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i want to set them up for success like, you know, we have a fun started. We we want them to be able to go to college if that's what they want to right. do. Um, I think there's a strong argument for like the Renaissance of bringing, because being a part of a kid is discovering things till you find that passion, right? And yeah. I think every parent hopes that their kid finds it as soon as possible because mm-hmm. the faster the better, and you get more time to get really good at whatever it is you're really into. Yeah. Or you get really into it and then discover you don't actually like it. Right. And you move on to the next thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 So, I I I just also have like I grew up around a lot of people who made a lot of money and were miserable. Sure. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. like so it I also don't that. put I don't put a ton of stock into it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like like a lot of people who like made enough money to not have to worry about their bills, so instead they developed a coke habit. Like, <laughs> you know, where it's like, okay, well, if that's what you're gonna do with your time, I guess what's the point? Right. Like, why did you make all this money and hyper specialize so that you could have all this extra time so that you could use it to ruin your life? You know, yeah. like nice. yeah, maybe just live your maybe just focus on the life part. Yeah. You know, which is something I'm working on now, which is like like we were talking earlier visualization and making sure that I'm enjoying myself as it goes yeah yeah while also keeping that balance of like enjoyment to discipline you know also be always be doing shit you don't want to do right right you know which for me now like I'm finally back I've gained like 40 pounds during the quarantine actually 40 pounds which is insane to me and so but you had gotten really I'm lean back. before the quarantine. I did. I did. I think I, you got I was doing good. And I got your stable weight, I would say. Yes, for sure. But I've gone past it. Like my, I will, if I'm really just not paying attention, I, I'll be right around 215 or 220. I'm sure. like two, almost 40 right now, okay. which is bonkers. It's yeah. way too fat. So like time for me to work on it. So like I'm fasting again. I'll have cream in my coffee here. I'm like, yeah. you know. I didn't eat until eight o'clock yesterday and like doing that thing, playing that game, but yeah. trying to enjoy it, trying to like push myself, trying to see what I can do. Make it fun. Yeah. yeah. When it's like time, okay, I got everything done for the day. I've got an hour before I really need to go to bed instead of like pulling up a video game for an hour or starting like a TV show. I'll grab Benny at one in the morning and just go walk for an hour. Right. You know? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's better. And I can even just like be on my phone. And you can still be on your phone and play right. a little game or whatever. And that's part yeah. of it too. Where like before, I feel like even just like a year or two ago, if I wasn't pushing myself and running that whole hour, I would feel bad about it. You're like, it. what's the point? Or right, right. Yeah. What's the point if you're not going to do the utmost perfect thing. thing right yeah. exactly so instead i'll just sit here and eat cheetos because that's better <laughs> you know like that's like right i'm trying to catch myself 
on that stuff. Well, that, that's really healthy. That's like a good balance perspective on that because yeah. I think you can have both. You can enjoy a little decompressing YouTube video game time. But yeah, you can be walking and the, yeah. the body thanks you for it and your resting metabolic rate will go up, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. I know some people hate on people who just walk for exercise, but actually per the data and all the blue zones and the people who live the longest, they're the people that are doing moderate exercise that live right. the longest, not hardcore exercise that live the longest. Well, I know, you know like cardio is supposed to be super, super good for your heart health and sure. like walking isn't necessarily like strong cardio, but sure. I also know that like if you walk a mile versus running a mile, you're burning like two-thirds of the same amount of calories walking the mile as you would if you're running it. Sure. So it's like, like you don't lose that much by just walking instead. Yes. Like if your well, goal is to lose is, weight, time is a variable. Right. When you run the mile, it only takes 20 minutes. Right. Or something like that, let's right. say. But when you walk the mile, now maybe it takes 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. So the duration is of longer. activity is actually longer, which is why calorie burn is quite similar right between which two. is which is why I like the idea more of like instead of going out and running three miles mm -hmm. you know takes me 30 minutes and then I'll sit down for an hour and play video games I'd rather get on my phone I save all my emails and like posting to social media and stuff for when I'm gonna go walk and then I'll just go walk that whole hour and a half right you know because yes. all I'm trying to do is lose weight like right. cardio is great I'll work on that at some point Right now, I just want to get to a comfortable weight where, yeah. like, I started, like, feeling it in my knees and stuff where I'm like, that's a red flag. I do not want to be that fucking guy. <laughs> no way. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's a... I'm a big uh, fan of walking. Uh, yeah. Or maybe oh, I, I think... You and I was, Anna both. When I was Whew. 18, 19, though, I probably would have scorned it or mm -hmm. thought, like, that's... A, like, unless you're hiking, walking's a waste of time. It does help that I'm, like, you know? full... Full dad lord now. Like I, I don't, I don't care. I've, I've, I've achieved peak don't care this. Right. I am currently in sweatpants and I am wearing socks with my sandals. Hell yeah. So like <laughs> I, I don't care. Like, well, no, I bet the, what people's I perception of me don't doesn't yeah. affect me anymore, which is positive and negative. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. I right. should probably care a little more sometimes. No, like I about think, my appearance but I think shit. you care about the right things. <laughs> well, right? I, I don't know. Right? There's, uh, I don't know. I, I was reflecting but, when I was driving here yeah. uh, that how much coming through, you know, passing the school here to your house and the traffic signs and everything and the speed limit, uh, how I've changed and I really am a, obeying those traffic laws. Thank you. And it's not, <laughs> and it's not out of like, because I'd be worried about the finances of getting the ticket, right. that punishment. Mm -hmm. It's more the thought as I'm driving through the neighborhood and I see a guy out sweeping his driveway or a guy working on his car, that they would probably appreciate the car driving past them going 25 instead of 30, 40. Right. And, you know, startling their kind of peaceful Sunday morning mm -hmm. and being just considerate of others. And that's a scenario where like, caring about the right things that people think of you yeah or if there's a complete stranger younger me would be like oh, fuck him who cares right. I'm never gonna see this guy again I can yeah. go fast through the street yeah you know there's nobody walking yeah you know but then oh there's a crosswalk and let me there could be someone about to use it I don't wanna scare them by skidding around the corner right you know yeah be nice yeah yeah being yeah. nice is important yeah 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 it's good it's another thing I'm always working on just be nice yeah yeah, try to be nice. Try to be in a good headspace. Like, like you can't always be happy. Like, right. obviously, that's 
that's like crazy. If you're always happy, you probably have a psychological illness. Like <laughs> that's not good. You need you need help. Yeah. But like even like being nice when you're in a bad mood, that's like that's not that's like a skill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one as a parent. It's like being in a bad mood and being able to just like still be there with your kid, like play and and provide for them what they need emotionally. Yeah. Like, super important because that was that was always an issue growing up was like I had father figures who could like looking back it's because at the time it was like oh man that's just a thing that's all you know that's all my thing like like at the time it's like yeah if you're in a bad mood yeah you just like throw shit and yell and you know and you you know if as a kid you just avoid them during that time and now it's like wow they are babies like imagine being 40 years old and not being able to handle your emotions like a fucking baby like like you have a shitty diaper and you're in a bad mood so you're gonna scream your head off and fling your shitty diaper around the room like yeah come on guys (laughs) like (laughs) jesus christ get it together you know and so that's like the opposite of what i want to be you know that sounds awful you know i think I had a, a, a tough talk with my mom recently. Yeah, you told me. I, I think a little while back I had a tough talk with my dad too. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised to hear at, at the end of it all. And I, I heard my dad communicate this too. And so at this point, both my mother and father communicated this to me that basically that they think I'm a better person than them. And I was like, I think that's not easy for people to say, especially right. when people hate being wrong and a parent that maybe is more authoritative that they think they're superior to you or whatever. Okay. Uh, and I think that, so what I'm getting at is that I think, for example, your father would say to you, like, I think you're not only amazing, but you're you're better than me. And you're the next generation that is going to be better uh to your child and then hopefully your son I becomes so. better than you yeah you know? and, that's, we, and that's, that's what we're, that's the, what we're hoping that's for the goal. that is i mean i think we touched on that last time we talked too was like that is like one of my biggest purposes like like i want to be a good enough dad that like my kids do way better than i ever could right you know and, and they're mean? inspired that you, you become their inspiration but you also inspire them to want to be better than you. Yeah. And not like in a weird, oh, toxic, God. competitive way, but just no, in like no, a... No, 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 yeah. like, no. Like, just they they have an easier opportunity to take the opportunity to be better than right. me. And, and they have like, that drive. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's so funny because I see so often where, like, I mean, I only see, like, one parenting side, but, like, you have a parent who's, like, killing it and it's super nice as a person and then their kids end up, like, real shitty yeah you're <laughs> you like, know you wonder, like, like how did what that go wrong? happened yeah, yeah. and the, and that's like i still don't know how that happens right you know but it's it's like i want to I, I recognize everybody's their own person and stuff but the priority is making sure that you know they grow up with the best opportunity possible i think part of that is like when you are really nice yourself and so you're more like lenient with your kids mm-hmm. instead of thinking it with, with the perspective of like making sure they're in a in a loving and stable but challenging environment. Right. Like you don't want to 
be like J.K. Simmons on Whiplash and try to mold like a virtuoso kid who's just completely fucked up, right? You know, and hates you, but like, yeah, you hate me, but goddamn, can you play the piano? You know, like some <laughs> dumb shit like that, right. right? You know, but then you also don't want to be like. Yeah, my kid really loves me. I was always supportive of them. They're a meth addict, but they like they really love me and they come right. to me for support now that they're still 40. You know, like forge them in the fire a little bit, but but balance. But we got to have the balance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you want to push them. Yeah. Push them, but be loving, you Push know? them out of have, their comfort zone. Don't yeah. let them settle, right. you know, but yeah. but yeah. also love them, yeah. you know. And then at the same time, be your you got to like that's that's at all at the same time as like still living your own life because you can't yeah. put all your shit on hold because mm-hmm. that's not setting a good example. Right. You know, it's like um, it's it's good for them to see that you're an independent person and you have your own independent interests. Yeah. You know? Well, that's like what is it? Uh, a be, being with baby? No. Uh, bring up baby. bringing up baby. Yeah. Bringing up baby. Like the idea of like these French parents having um, adult time. Having adult time. And being like, and the kid knows when that time is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is adult time. Like, you have to go be. You have to entertain yourself. Right. Yourself. Yeah, you got to figure it out. Right. You know, I feel like that was a big thing. For for me growing up was like you know being with my mom. My mom was, I mean, she wasn't a single parent in the way that like my dad wasn't around. He was around, but it was like, yeah, we were with him, twice a month for a weekend. Right. You know, right. So two weekends out of the month, she had time, but the rest of the time during the week, she worked full time and was a mother to us. Right. You know, so like a lot of the times we'd be like, "Yeah, school's over. I got shit to do." And she was especially when she was starting her own business. She was like, "Entertain yourself, but get figure it out." Right. You know, and so that's when like all of the fantasizing and the you know a lot of the nerdy stuff, super nerdy stuff, which my brother helped with the last podcast. I think you released was with Arthur, yeah. so my stepbrother. I think you said half brother. I said half brother. Yeah, stepbrother. Oh, really? Is that is mm-hmm. that the case? I thought there was a biological connection. No, no. My dad married uh, my stepmother, who Arthur was already her son I at the see. time. So Arthur had a different biological father. That's right. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, stepbrother. But I mean, was my brother growing? Up, is my brother like he would? He was like a huge influence for me. He would yeah. pick me up from school. And like, played video games with me. He included me in their D and D campaigns when I was like, probably an annoyingly young age, you know. But he like made a really active uh, effort in like being there for me yeah. and and including me in things in a very like brotherly way. Yeah, you know. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, super awesome. Um, but. Uh, I can't remember where you were going at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, uh, yeah, I think no parent can get it perfect. Right. And and I what I wanted to allude to is that, yeah, you want to be balanced, but mm-hmm. maybe it's important as a parent to focus on what your strengths are and what you can offer your kid, and then delegate those other things. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe you you could play the role of a loving parent. You still want your kid to get challenged, right? But maybe you don't need to be the challenger for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can hire a J.K. Simmons who becomes their coach slash mentor. That well, can, I think and they have that role coach. to push. I think a sports you know? coach very often ends up being that thing. Or right. like, you always hear that about like, you know, a, a, a martial arts instructor. Sure. Where like, 
you know, they'd go to the martial arts thing, and the martial arts instructor doesn't have to be their, like, their emotional support. support. Right. They have their emotional support, so he can focus on kicking their little ass, yes. you know, and forging them in fire. And when they cry because they're not able to make the high kick, he says, put your fucking lip back in your mouth and, and try again. again. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. He yeah. can be that J.K. Simmons, and, and you know, there's, I'm sure, an art form to that, but, you know, you don't want that for a a dad necessarily right, like right. that's a little brutal well, and, all, it's and it can't be 24 parent to hold all of those roles yeah and it's con- and it would be confusing i think for a kid it's not stable. identity wise like what what am i supposed to confide in you or am i supposed to keep my lip in and do it again you right. know like yeah. what what yeah. what are you to me right. i think that's going to be my challenge because similar to you i want to be a renaissance man and i feel like there's so much that i can teach my child and i want to be that mentor that teaches them those things but I also want to be that person they feel like they can come talk to me about anything that's bothering them. Yes. And that can be a conflict of interest, I think, sometimes if you're trying to really, you know, breed physical health and physical discipline, you know? Yeah. But, but that was, it'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, I think that's something my mother did really, really well was cultivate that sense of security and that um sense of like you can all like i will always be here for you yeah and and she also did when we were younger she did a good job of like still not putting up with any shit Mm. you know she'd like whip us into shape um and wouldn't tolerate like whatever like she was not a super lax parent in that way she set the boundaries but you felt comfortable. I was to talk to her. I was never scared to come talk to her about anything. Yeah. You know, I would I I would be more reluctant to share with her just out of the shame of having like dealing with stuff because that's like shame's like a that's a whole nother thing, you know. Um, but what do you, what do you mean shame's a whole nother thing? Oh, just like I feel like um, that's I've everybody I feel like struggles with different things, anger mm-hmm. or. Um, you know, feeling resentment or whatever. I feel like a lot of the emotional barrier that holds me back and has held me back a lot is shame. Mm. Um, so like uh, an inability to open up because not wanting to share any like shortcoming or anything that I, you know, wish wasn't a thing or wish hadn't happened or whatever. Mm. I mean, that was a lot of like, you know, I, I fell into a like a sort of like drug habit uh, when I was younger, and shame was a huge reason why I didn't like open up and deal with that in a better way or or sooner, you know. Uh, but as soon as I was able to, and the fact that my mother is the way she is is why I was able to eventually open up to her. I mean, she found out about it and essentially came after me. Sure. And instead of just shutting down, I was able to actually open up and, you know let her help me right and she was able to help me because we had that connection set up right um but yeah i mean the the shame of it it was like that was the big one yeah i mean do you ever feel that we're letting letting her down a little bit yeah oh yeah is that that a factor in the shame yeah well i mean okay so talking about visualization like i want to be this person this model son well just this human being i want to see myself as like somebody who's like a cheat like like especially back then especially when I was like 19 20 like I didn't want to accept my flaws like I didn't want to uh I didn't want to like 
wrap my head around that, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm, I just wanted to be perfect all the time. Yeah. You know, so like having to like when I saw that stuff, I would feel shame and then push it down. Mm. You know? Yeah. As opposed to like seeing it, reconciling it, being like, "Okay, this is what I want and this is what I'm doing. This is who I want to be and these are my actions." These don't, you know, they don't gel. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what has to change? It would just be this is who I want to be. These are the actions. Ignore the actions and just keep in the little circuit that I'm doing, you know, and maintaining. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like that, sh- that shame is what made that possible. Made that cyclical negative behavior possible. I feel like right. Right. Um, well, and you're burying the shame, right, with with distraction. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Push, pushing it down. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. for sure. Yeah. Which, I mean, the point the point I was trying to make was like, it it, it was never a case of like I'm not able to share, you know, this with you. It was that I like it it hurts to not because you're the wrong terminal. Mm. but because of the shame that's there. And if I didn't have a terminal like that, I don't think I would have evolved past that. Like mm. I would still be in this regress regressive. Now looking back, thinking that's regressive. Like that's younger me. That's like big error. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Why, why do you think that in particular, like shame is that emotion that you struggle with in particular, <sighs> you know? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. It's like been that way since the beginning of time. It's like part of your character, you know? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there was like factors growing up. Like, I feel like everybody has nobody. There's no such thing as like a perfect household. Right. And if there is, that person's probably pretty boring. (laughs) That comes (laughs) out of it, you know? But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. There was a lot of like, if not a lot of like physical violence around me mm-hmm. there was a lot of like emotional abuse sure not even necessarily directed at me my parents like were both very very loving and stuff but there was a lot of like a lot of cursing and screaming at each other and these are adults these are adults these are adults, I, these are adults, adults when i was very household young, very okay. young in my life yeah like yeah, sure like whatever anywhere from like three years old up through like 10 years old there's a lot of that i see um parents not keeping that private from, from the kid right 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 a right. lot of that and then like and kids are perceptive right they see that yeah. right and then like you know talking with my dad about it and him coming over and and um and then his i'm sure he struggled with that way more than i do because i see his reactions and how mine are kind of mirrored we're like he would do something like that or do something stupid where, like, he'd get upset and punch a wall. Mm. Something like that. And then he'd be ashamed about it. it. And it would terrify me, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, six years old or whatever. And then he'd feel shame about it. But instead of, like, he coming to me and being like, listen, I'm so sorry I did that. That is not anything that I should be doing. I let my emotions get control of me. That's something I'm going to work on. Never that. I see. He, he was, couldn't open up to you about it. No, I don't think he could open up to himself about it. I don't think he could admit okay. that to himself. Okay. I think that, once again, that's like a shame thing. He couldn't accept that that was the case. So what he would do is instead be like, oh, yeah, I got angry. Right, right. You know, like, deal with it. Sometimes I'm an asshole, and that's just how it is, you know? 
where it's like that is the regressive like so maybe it was, shame a, it was a learned behavior that you I think saw so. you saw yeah. that and went oh when a person messes up they shouldn't talk about it they should just move on and bury it well it was also like i mean I, I, he was a drug addict too he was a an alcoholic right and that's i think part of the alcoholic thing is like cover it up cover it up don't let anyone see lots of social manipulation lots of gaslighting mm. lots of not admitting it to yourself a uh, lot of like everything's fine this is totally manageable and so and i think that all comes from most of the time from a place of shame i see yeah yeah it's easier just not to look at it i appreciate the explanation because personally for me i don't think a shame is something i ever struggle with mm -hmm. ever so yeah. it's just something that doesn't I can understand it, but it can't. It doesn't resonate with me because it's not something I ever had to cope with. Sure. Um, because I had such a shameless father yeah, that always sure that was very open about sharing everything and not even caring and admitting if it was his a mistakes. Problem. That was the big one. I sure. think that's the big one. Is right. like being like, yeah, I fucked that up. <laughs> I'm probably gonna do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, right, and it, so it made it very clear to me that yeah. it's okay to talk about mess ups because who cares? It happens, right? You know? And right, if someone got offended, oopsies. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but the idea of like, I probably shouldn't have done that. Right. Never, ever had a sentiment like that from my dad. Mm. Ever. Everything was deliberate, I conscious see. decision by him to do that thing that clearly wasn't the right thing to do. Like, it, which is, I think, also his, like... Because that was maybe his goal. Cheese, it was no. his visualization. Like, I, I'm... i Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it when he didn't achieve in. it, it's like, oh, bury it, because that's not my my dream reality. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And, I'm, and I think it got to the point where it was like... I mean, I'm sure alcohol didn't help, but right. it got to the point where it was, like, completely delusional, where he still saw himself as this, like, guy when he was, like super emaciated and like really fucked up all the time you know where it's like yeah he just couldn't face that yeah i think a lot of that i think a lot of that was shame because i looking back too there were also moments where like you could see you could see little glimpses of like realizations yeah. and then like him dealing with it and then him pushing it aside right you know can i ask you a hard question oh boy Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> like, more out of curi not curiosity, uh, there, there, there's someone in my life that I think about. Mm -hmm. I think about when people are going through a hard time. Yeah. Your father was going through a hard time. And like, yeah. generally when people are in a good place, they want, they try to help those people. They want to help those people as best they can. And then usually at some point there's a realization that, that the person who's in trouble, they can't get out of that unless they decide they ultimately want to. So the good, oh, yeah. the good person that's trying to help gets frustrated. And sometimes it gets to a point where you just go, man, I'm here for you when you want to yes. get better, but I can't be spending all my time trying to help someone who's not interested in being helped. Well, that's the Al-Anon thing. Do you know Al-Anon? No. What is so that? there's there's an uh, AA. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, okay. And then Al-Anon is uh, for the family, or or loved ones of oh. people who are addicts, and they and it's dealing with having a loved one who is an addict, uh. and that is one of the things they teach. Is like yeah, be there, 
be communicative, be there with them, let them know that they're, you're there for them, and do not become codependent. That's a big one because mm -hmm. people will be like, I've got to help this person who's super fucked up and they allow that person to drag them down and use them and manipulate them because it's a super consistent pattern of like uh, manipulation when it comes to addiction. Um, so it's easy for people who are really close to that person, who love that person to be dragged into that. I need help, just gotta send me to rehab. I just need a little bit of money to get on my feet. Then they use that to go buy drugs. That's like tale as old as time. Right, right, right. Um, and it's super consistent. Yeah, but like, it's like you can only do so much. Right. You know, which yeah. is hard as fuck. I, that's what I think of most when I think of like parents who have kids who are dealing who are with that. Who are going through that, yeah. Like, how do you deal with that emotionally? How are you making sure you're there for your kid, but then if they keep, like you're not enabling them by right. being codependent. Right. That's gotta be a nightmare. I can't even imagine. We, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. We had that question on our final test for our high school. Oh my God, that, yeah. that, it was that scenario, right? I assume it was the same scenario that I got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was like, what do you do as a parent when it gets to that point? And, you, yeah. and always you initially say, well, I wouldn't let it get to that point. Of course. But yeah. then it's like... Because you can control everything in the whole world and everything's a known quantity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's better to think that way, I guess, than think the other way where you can't control anything and you're helpless and help me, I'm a little baby. Right. Yeah. It's more empowering, certainly, to think that you can control everything. But it becomes toxic if you actually believe that. Yeah. True. Anyway, uh, you had a hard question. What was your well, hard question? It, yeah, I guess the hard question was, and you kind of answered it, essentially, which was like, I wonder... Like, I can imagine a person can have regret if they feel like they didn't try hard enough or help enough or maybe there was something they could have done in order to get that person out of it, to help them. And yeah. the burden, that that guilt. But then you got to tell yourself, well, I, I shouldn't feel guilty about it. I did everything I could have, or, you know. And yeah. Do, do you carry that at all? Yes. You do? Oh, a ton. Okay. Oh, a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. Um. I mean, I think of, I had this conversation with my sister uh, somewhat recently. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's really hard. I mean, I was, uh, was 19, maybe 20, no, 20, right. 20, I think, uh, when our dad died. And oh man, yeah, still, still deal with that. Like, should have been there more, should have made him my priority should have been more available to him, should have been more forceful in getting him to stop, which, I mean, even now I'm like, I don't know that that's even possible. Yeah, but I mean, with the help of our stepsister, Arthur's older sister, um, she's the one who really helped us, like, she's the eldest of us, and she helped us be like, like she came in and was just like, you're going to rehab. And I was like, no. She's like, well, truck's right here. And you, you're at this point, you can't physically stop me. So, yep, you're getting in the truck. We're going to rehab. You know, she fucking did that. But then he just like, when he was there, he would say shit like, no, these people here are like actual addicts. I was like, dad, like, you're fucked up. Like, <laughs> what do you mean they're actual addicts? Like, there's like bottles of Smirnoff around your room. Like, 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 right, that's... But to him, alcoholism right. is not as bad as well, the drug it's addicts. The, it's the complete 
denial of or one's he's own in situation. control of his alcoholism or he's delusional right. i think it's a level of delusion i think that's the shame thing i think the difference between shame and regret is shame you can't look at shame mm. you look at and the physical like it's physically painful and you can't deal with it in a constructive positive way regret is normal if you don't have any regret, it means you didn't take any chances. Right. It means you didn't try to do something that's difficult and fuck up, which you have to do to be a good person. Right. You have to try difficult things and fuck up. Like, that's just part of it, you know? Or, you know, I regret I didn't... Or, or like, little things that you learn from. You can't learn from shame. You learn from regret. Right. Regret's right. a learning tool. Shame is a, a, a toxic reaction, you right. know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of that I'm still dealing with still and dealing going with through. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean I'm sure people tell you, but it's like you're basically a young man still coming becoming an adult. Like you obviously had a lot going on at the time period, trying to make money and all this stuff. And yeah, it, there's obviously like it's not. It's a lot your of reasons. Hold, there's lots you know? of excuses. There's lots of like self forgiveness. There's lots of looking back and being able to deal with it. But, uh, I mean, part of the shame thing is just dealing with it in chunks. It's just like right. breaking it down. Okay, let's right. look at this. Let's examine this. Sure. You know, and then deal with it in pieces. Right. Um, but that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, all of that's all of that's valid, you know. I think also during that time period, and my timelines might be off, but I think both you and I uh, had a period where we were concerned about a friend of ours, uh, and we were worried about how he was doing. We weren't so worried for his life completely, but he was in a very depressed state. Yeah. And we were trying very hard to get him like to start working and start like being a participant in society. And yep. he was, and I think for both of us, it got to the point where it was like we were frustrated, and it was a burden we were no longer willing to hold. So we kind of just like let it go. Um, I remember having that conversation with you and then what I came to realize with that and just hoping that this can maybe help because I was concerned about it and then that person did tell me at some point that they did try to take their own life failed you know thankfully but I remember I reached a point I, I realized that oh I'm not the right person to help him out of this yeah. because <clears throat> I just can't resonate or get through to him. Yeah. So therefore, let me at least, I'll, I'll try to find, and I found someone else, another friend, to help him out, and that friend helped him through it. And I, I reached out to that friend, and I was like, hey man, do you think you can reconnect and maybe help this guy out? Yeah. So, you know, I care about him, but I, I'm not getting through to him. Maybe you can try. Right. And ultimately, it worked out, and that, that, and yeah, he thrived well. and got better, yeah. and everything's yeah, great. Yeah, killing it. Yeah. Um, and it feels good to, but I also know that it, 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 I didn't do it. I didn't change him or do anything. No. You know, and and there is a point where ultimately he, he did it. He figured it out himself. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. And it wasn't a burden for me to carry that. It, it was a burden that I was maybe carried or worried about and was worried about the idea because you always hear amongst friends that like there's a, there was that one friend in the social group that you know, kill themselves or died yeah. or whatever. And yeah. everyone feels bad. And I'm very grateful that that hasn't happened in our yeah. social circle. Yeah. And I think a big Absolutely. part of it is because we, 
look out for each other, care for each other, try give to. love and support, yeah. try to be open, have open communication in our, our group, you mm -hmm. know, uh, as best as we can. Definitely. You know? um, but ultimately, even when something like that's happening, you do the best, and then, but then you can't hold on to it, you know, too much. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, you gotta do what you can with what you got. Right. You know, you gotta deal with it in any way you can. It's, it's hard, and people have more capacity than others to deal with that sort of thing. Right. You know, yeah, no one lives in a vacuum. Right. Um, but I do think that, like you said, you know, when life is perfect, people kind of end up being boring. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to be gained from the hardships of life because you can create something brighter and more beautiful. So long as you're seeing things that way. That's like that's like mm. in the the um, the examination of shame, like shame versus regret. Like you can learn from regret, you can't learn from shame. So like if you're taking these hardships, these hardships can twist you into a fucking monster, right? Or if you have the proper support system and you were raised really well and you're able to have the just the fortitude that you were born with, so whatever all those factors are that come into you being able to take this shitty situation and this these like awful things and turn them into something that can better yourself and be a teaching thing for you and help you better others, namely like your children, like without them having to actually go through it themselves. Right. Like that's that's massive. That's 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 the difference. You know, and so like being physically fit, like being mentally fit, trying to constantly work on that stuff, that's the only way you continue growing. You know, being able to take that stuff in and make it into something positive, make it into something at least like a learning experience. Right. It's like fucking, fucking up like is not a bad thing. You're going to fuck up. Right. It is what it is. It's not, it's not positive. It doesn't feel good, but the only negative is like not learning from it. Right. Not adjusting, not not growing because the whole thing's growth eventually we're all gonna die so right right you know you can't be buried with it right but you can make the best of what you've got and that's part of like also the visualization thing too it's like you can't you know if you worked for five years to become the greatest guitar player ever but you spent those five years shunning all your family and friends because you only had time to do that and not living your life and becoming a big fat slob and like doing all these things that are like obviously negative obviously it's a weird scenario but um, at the end of those five years, you're not going to be a really good guitar player and then be fulfilled and happy because right. it's all a balance. You need to enjoy that process, you know, and be living your life in the meantime. Right. You know. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I love all this deep stuff, this deep conversation. We've been going for good over an hour now. Goddamn. And I'd like to, unless there's anything more you want to touch on the deeper stuff, but we can take it toward a different, more surface level direction yeah I'm yeah. super into that Dude, yeah I want you to just talk a bit more I had a curious thought which was how do you think that your uh, your your ability or your problem of getting really interested in a lot of things all yeah. the time yeah <laughs> I don't know if it's a problem or ability it's just a thing it just is yeah is that has it always been that way uh yeah yeah I, I just, there's like, we're sitting in my like breakfast nook and uh -huh. I have a project that I started almost a year ago uh -huh. that I haven't touched. 
in like a long, with the frames long time. and all that stuff. That's the little no, no, project no. There. The the little sculpture. Oh, there. the sculpture. That's yeah. beautiful. I got I got yeah. into I got into sculpting. I, was, I have a little kiln. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I got a little kiln. You know, I already had it, so I was like, well, maybe I'll get into sculpting. Make like you know, slip cast like sculptures and oh, stuff. Oh, cool. Super fun. Yeah. I'm super into tiki and tropical cocktails. Mm. Get into mugs. You know, making tiki cool. mugs. Yeah. Right. Good times. So I started that, and then. I haven't done it in like <laughs> nine months or something. How right. long it's been since I've touched it. So yeah. like, I have like a million things like that. So many things that are that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what what was your question well, regarding my, it? My question was like, first, you know, how did how did you become like that? And is just the internet like things things to the internet? You know. No, I think uh, it's I think it's the visualization fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. I think I see somebody who's like the hyper focused really good at making this thing like okay this the sculpture like i want to make tiki mugs like that seems like fun there's this guy van tiki if you look him up on instagram you'll see him he is this guy in eugene oregon Mm -hmm. who uh went to like school for he went to college and is a sculptor for ceramics really good ceramicist yeah and he has his own like ceramic studio and he makes videos of him making ceramics and he makes tiki mugs that is his what he does for a living uh, and he makes these absolutely insanely ornate pieces of art that you drink booze out of. <laughs> like, <laughs> ridiculous. And, like, really funny stuff. He did, like, a bunch of, like, he did this whales. He made a, uh, one of the recent ones he did, he did a lava lamp. A lava lamp with, like, a face on it out of ceramics that you can drink cocktails out of. That's awesome. It's hilarious. It's yeah. great. Um, but he'll do these crazy limited runs of, like, 200 mugs. They'll sell out within three minutes of him posting them pre-sale, wow. like three months ahead of time. And after he makes the run of mugs, he'll destroy the molds, so you can never get those mugs again. Oh, he show he videos he like videos the destruction. Destroying so you know the mold. you have like mm-hmm. there's two hundred special number. Thing. I have number fifty-eight of two hundred. That's kind of cool. That's, that's cool. It's super that's cool because you make it like an super artificial cool. supply. Mm-hmm. And he'll do these thing. super limited ones where like he'll do gold leaf finish on like the top of it wow. and they're like six hundred dollar tiki people mugs people buy that shit they you cannot wow they'll resell them on he won't sell more than one to a household because people will resell them on ebay for, for like double. a grant wow and, and they'll get snapped up <gasps> yeah especially older ones when he wasn't as popular that are like really hard to find talk now. about a specialist niche right. market okay right? so i see somebody like him right mm-hmm. and i'll spend eh, Hundred hours worth of like watching his content, learning and learning and seeing what he's doing and getting super into it, and fantasizing, mm-hmm. fantasizing about I want to do making that. something. Mm-hmm. What if I were to? What kind of mug would I make? And I mean that's what I'm working on there is like a zombie mug. It's a classic mug. There's a yeah. bunch of different really cool zombie head mugs. There's one where like it's the upside down. You're drinking out of the neck. That's super oh, that's fun. Cool. Yeah. There's a bunch of really cool ones. Um, but I was like, okay, quarantine zombie. That's fun. Nice. So I made a little like zombie guy with his mask sewn to his face. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like that's just that's just fun. Yeah. Um, so I like fantasized about that for a long time until finally I was like, okay, I got the monster clay, got the thing, spent a couple hours sculpting the thing, and then for me like I've. I've done that so many times with so many things, and really, it's just does it stick? Right. Did it stick? Do I still am I still pumped to go do that? Yes, 
okay, then I'm going to keep doing it. Right. No, then I just it just falls by the wayside. Sure. And then I usually I'll feel bad about it. Usually I see it and I'm like, fuck, I really should finish that project. I got like so far into it, you know. That's the battle, right? That's the battle. That's the battle. Especially now with a kid and another one on the way. It's like there's so little time in the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, it's a mental game too. It's prioritizing instead of, you know, what's going to bring me more fulfillment tomorrow. Right Right. now, the fulfilling thing is going to be watching fight videos on YouTube or watching (laughs) like, you know... Karen's getting thrown out of Trader Joe's <laughs> on Reddit because that's entertaining in the moment. Uh, but tomorrow, I'm going to really enjoy sculpting, and then tomorrow I'm still going to look back on that time and think time well spent. Right. You know? Yeah, I think I think it would, to me it sounds like a little bit the struggle is, right? You have inspiration slash motivation, mm-hmm. which can be a very powerful force that gets you excited about a new thing. Mm-hmm. But the problem is motivation, inspiration is a fleeting feeling. Yeah. It isn't it's not reliable, it sticks around with you. So there's then, a super popular, um, famous mm-hmm. uh, YouTuber podcaster who just did a video about this, I feel like. Oh, okay, he did a whole breakdown of this. Yeah. I mean this yeah. is a concept that I have wrestled with for a long time and yeah. I came to turn Nick with Nick Sermon, I think oh, 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 did I do a whole podcast about this? You did a video. You did a video oh. on uh on oh, motivation. motivation is bullshit. Yeah, right. motivation is bullshit right. video. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's other YouTube videos out there floating around. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. But it but it is, it's just it's fleeting. And then, the, but the cultivation of habit and discipline is reliable. Right. It's not as fun feeling. It's not as great. Right. And like you said, it's prioritization. So if you realize that was, but like you said, it's it's cool to try it out because then, like you said, well, what if it sticks? Because if it sticks, that's amazing. You found this. I new could look passion. back twenty years like from now. Was a passion, right? Right. Pretending is a passion. And and it and those things for me have turned into and they uh, do stay revenue right. sources. Right. I mean, like, and and only when they naturally do so. I mean, like, okay, I launched this cocktail thing and I've done a few events and it's made me a couple grand. Like, because you offered it as a package, right? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it just kind of fit. It fit. It wasn't like I didn't have to force it. It wasn't difficult. And I can see the mug It didn't take discipline. That's what it is. It didn't take discipline. It happened. Like it just happened and it felt natural. Right. Yeah. That's why I really want to make all my money doing my entrepreneurial stuff because I can spend 50 hours a week working on it and it doesn't feel like, I mean, that's right. Adage is fucking stupid. They're like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Like, you're probably not working hard enough then, you lazy bitch. Like, <laughs> you probably push yourself more. Right. But um, but it doesn't feel the same as clocking in and clocking out. Right. For yes. sure. For sure. It's it easier to way wake more up fulfilling. and get moving. I can look at myself, that fantasy version of myself, that, like, ask what I'm aspiring to and look at that time spent on my own projects right. and making money with that and feel really good about it. Right. You know? Everyone has to do... Get a sense of self-worth. The crap part. It. Because, you know, I think there there's some stat or interview out there about people who followed their passion and became wildly successful. Mm-hmm. And when you actually interview them about how their time is broken up, only 5% of their time is actually doing the passion. Yeah. And then 95% is the back-end bullcrap that a lot you have of, to do to run the business. And a lot of quote requests. Or whatever. A lot of scrubbing dishes. Mostly right. mostly washing dishes. Washing dishes and grocery shopping. Right. Not right. necessarily super fun activities. Right. You know. But uh, but the time in a, as a whole is fulfilling. Right. Because you, you know it's building up to that opportunity where you get to do the thing that you are passionate about. And, and a counterpoint to the discipline thing, because I, I am super into that idea of like, uh, what is it, Jacko Willink, who's like, discipline will set you free. Right. You know, Schedule strict things. structure, mm-hmm. you know, 
I that is anti me. That is not my life at all. <laughs> like my sleep schedule is absolutely bonkers. It's not a schedule. Right. You're spontaneous. It's not. A, it's complete spontaneity. Like. And Jocko would want to slap you across the yes, face. Yes, yes. And and it has a lot of downfalls. Like I really struggle with like my weight and having these fitness goals that fall by the wayside and trying to constantly change what I'm doing to find something that I can really keep up with. That is like, sustainable. Jiu-jitsu yeah. was a good one. Jiu-jitsu lasted years sure. of me doing that. And I, that's probably the best shape I've been in that I can ever remember was when I was doing that three or four days a week. That was a big one. I, and I want to do it again when, when the quarantine allows, you know, yeah. when, when they reopen. Yeah, when they yeah. reopen gyms get back into that because that'll probably help especially if I can bring race with me now it's like family bonding oh, time because cool, yeah. there's some places that'll do like father son mother son mother daughter whatever classes. parent child right. jiu jitsu classes and wrestling and stuff and that's also like super difficult so it builds character anyway um, yeah there's downfalls to it but at the same time like I don't know I like really enjoy it yeah I enjoy like living this way you know what I mean yeah because I also it gives me the freedom to be like I'm taking like six or seven weeks off this year right like I can really just like buckle down work really hard for three weeks but those are scheduled make extra money yeah yeah it's scheduled it's not pure it's not just like let's go to Belize you know but something that can be really feel good mm -hmm. is like, like spontaneity can be amazing. Mm -hmm. I'll let you finish your thought on spontaneity, yeah, but yeah. what I want to add about the, you know, I forget where I read this, but that mm -hmm. oftentimes the feeling of excitement and joy and happiness that people have is the anticipation of a thing. Yeah. It's not the thing itself. Yeah. So it's actually good. It's healthy if you want to try to have a happy week. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think of like happiness as like on weekly basis, not daily basis. Mm -hmm. You're going to have tough days. Yeah. But if you have, try to schedule something for yourself that nurtures your soul once a week and then you have the whole week to look forward to that thing yeah oh for and sure that, and that gets you through the hard times of the week because yeah. you have something to look forward to yeah and schedule that is to scheduling is empowering in that yeah. sense yeah yeah well that's that's a big one for me because like um specifically with like my fitness goals that's kind of what i'm thinking about now because okay. I've been focusing on and it's easy to think about it when I'm really really hungry <laughs> and I'm like no bitch you're going to wait a little longer you're just going to wait a couple more hours you know um, but like I think of going to like the Adirondacks or some other trips during the summer or late you know late summer early fall yeah. where like I know I'm going to enjoy those better if when I'm there and swimming and stuff, I don't look like a fat slob. Sure. You know, where like I get in good enough shape that like I don't, I, I don't, my, you I don't, love your body. I don't feel shame. Yeah. I don't feel, or even, not even shame, just like regret, you yeah. know, or just like not, not super happy with it. Sure. You know, I'll yeah. just, I'll just feel better. So like using that as a motivational tool and something to look ahead, it makes it real easy for me to, well, easier to make the decision to to deal with the suffering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Suffer now, rewards later. Yeah, it's classic. It's yeah. uh, what is that? Um, Delayed gratification. Thank you. Delayed yep. gratification. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the spontaneity concept because I think it's a balance where you're not always delaying gratification. You allow for 
instant gratification to occur mm -hmm. on it's a regulated balance. basis. You know, right. you're not you're not going so spontaneity that it's like constantly your life is just instant gratification. Then you have no plan. That sounds like a nightmare. That and just then, sounds yeah. like unstable. Right. It's just Dimitri. You know. <laughs> my oh old, shit! My that's old right, Dimitri. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, he was so young, man. It's hard. I lived my life way more like that. Sure. Um, in the early twenties. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty was like fully that. Right. Like, yeah, I have work at eight o'clock, but it's midnight now, and there's an <laughs> after hours that's opening in half an hour. So I'll get like half an hour of sleep, and uh, yeah, that'll be enough. I'll just. Tomorrow me will deal with that, you know? <laughs> and it's so funny because my self-awareness was not kicked in at that point. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, like, I, I had, like, older co-workers who probably looked at me like, you fucking slob, dude. <laughs> like, coming in, wearing the same shit as the day before, <laughs> eyes all bloodshot, <laughs> nodding off at work and shit. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Yeah, but no. Good times, right? Yeah, you you gotta have a balance of that stuff. It's like right. a fulfillment and pleasure. Like the pleasure is like, yeah, you like the idea of like, I'm just never gonna have a cheeseburger again because that's not good for your body. Like, wow, your life sucks, bro. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but then the idea of I'm gonna have a hamburger every day. You're probably not gonna enjoy that hamburger, right? You know, right. And, and the fulfillment of like, I didn't do that, and now I'm in good shape. Like. And also, an insane amount of uh, fulfillment comes from that. Not even necessarily pleasure, like right. short-term pleasure, but long-term fulfillment. You want to be fulfilled. You accomplish something. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. want to feel. You want to feel good about it. You want to, you know, you want to have pleasure, but then you also want to feel good about yourself and your life right. and your decisions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Sean, private school, public school. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Well, you gotta take a stance. You gotta tell people what you are doing. I think um, I think it depends on what you want for your kids. Uh, I I mean I obviously it really helps that uh, private school is a slam dunk for me because my mother and sister run and operate uh, a couple of private schools now, mm -hmm. and so that's all taken care of until our kids are like twelve. I see. You know, so it's really only middle and high school that we have to worry about even. All sure. the way through elementary, they're, they're, they're set, you know. So they're going to go to private for that. Um, obviously, having gone to a private, I've never gone to a public school. Sure. You know, we, we both went to, uh, you know, our private school, and that's all we knew. Right. Um, I went to a public university. Yes. But, but yeah. So sure that helped. All the K-12 uh, is all private. What, what I will say is that... Uh, having such a small private school did hurt in the way of diversity both of uh, like people and uh, cultural backgrounds and things like that and then also uh, diversity of way of life and thought like right. it was all people who are sending their kids to school to this school because this school shares their mindset right so all their bubble. kids yeah all their kids share that mindset so that's the mindset I got and then I got out I it left me somewhat unprepared for the real world in that way and a lot of other ways it left me way more responsible and way more prepared and i mean like more opportunity to be smart going to a private school i don't think necessarily is going to mean you're more educated it's going to mean if you do the work there's more opportunity to be to become more educated 
Right. You know? So... There's more resources, maybe. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, our teacher-to-student ratio was awesome. It's like fucking eight eight students to a teacher. It's nuts. Right. Right. Um, maybe maybe a little, little more students to teachers than that, but not much. Right. Right. A um, lot of one-on-one time. A lot of resources. Um, yeah, I mean... Really, it comes down to in America, it depends on where you live. You could be right next to a charter school that's like kick ass. Right. In which case, that's probably going to be better than a lot of your private school options. Sure. Or you could be living in a bad neighborhood with a bad school, and it's probably going to be better to try to find private schooling for your children, you know? Right. right. It's, it's too bad that our system is set up where the, the school's resources is based, our, the school's resources uh, are based on the income of the area that the school is in. Right, property taxes. Right. I think that's California specific. It actually does vary from state to state, but California sure. is well, that, oh, taxes, that's all I really which know. is a bummer. I'm, I'm yeah. born and raised right. here. Uh, so you end up with like... Huge discrepancies. Huge discrepancies. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can get these private schools or public schools. I mean, I remember... La Cunada High School. Yeah. Well, I think of... Um, what was the one out west, like the the Sunland? Is that La Cunada High? Oh, oh the well, no, La Cunada is the one that, that really nice. La Cunada, no, oh, no, oh, so there's La Cunada High, and then right. out closer Sun, to Sunland. us, it wasn't Sunland High School. Right. It was, Verdugo. Uh, uh, yeah. Verdugo Ver, High. Verdugo High. Yeah. It was not, like not how they, they, their like, extracurricular was how to build a meth lab. Like, <laughs> it was like not good. And I had a cousin who went there, and it was like not good. Right. And he would tell me about like these... He told me about it when I was young, and he told me about this fight where these, this one chick bit out another chick's belly button piercing. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> How fucking gnarly is that? Oh. You know, so I'm not, I don't want my kid to be around that. Right. Sure. So if that's the high school, but if I'm in La Cunada, hell yeah, go to this yuppie public school. You know, <laughs> like, right. sure. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Most likely it's gonna be private. Sure. Most likely it's gonna be private. I, you know, you get a little more control. You get to see what's going on. You get to be a little more involved, especially if it's a smaller place. Um, what, what, what do you think is the main purpose of school, though? It's the main point of school for kids. I think it's just babysitting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just get them out of my fucking hair. I'm tired of having them around. No. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's getting, I mean, giving you the tools you need to be able to uh, approach life. It's, mm. it's growth. Right? So, like, there's obviously basic things I think everyone should know. I think there's, like, you know, how to read, how to write, math. Right. All that stuff. But, I I mean, I also would love... I love that our school really had a lot of focus on teaching you how to better yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I also... I wish there was more of, like, a non-traditional school structure of, like, yeah, you should you should leave school knowing how to do certain things that all adults should know how to do and that they end up learning in like their 20s if they right. learn at all. You should right. know how to do your taxes. Mm-hmm. You should know how our economy works. You should know, you should first learn how our government's supposed to work right? and then later learn how our government actually works now, you know, a couple hundred years after its conception, sure. which is way different. Right. Um, critical thinking... I think critical thinking, huge one. Critical right? thinking is a massive right. one. Right. Yeah, that is just not not considered. It's not part, part of, of the a curriculum. normal curriculum, mm-hmm. right? Critical mm-hmm. thinking is a huge one, uh, but I think also having a guidance counselor or somebody who can help you 
direct into at least a, a jumping off point for when you get out. Where are you going? Are you gonna go to college? Okay, let's help you get that set up. Right. Are you going to go directly into a field? Great, let's help you get that set up. When I got out of high school, I floated for like four or five months before landing an internship in a, a really nice professional kitchen. And did the school facilitate that? Or was that not at all? Okay. That's I really wish they would have. Mm. Uh, they did a lot, but I wish they would have been like, okay, you want to get it. What's your plan here? Right. Yeah. You and, and my plan was to find a job in a kitchen. So they could have, if they, you know, had focused, if I had a guidance counselor, somebody sure. whose focus was, okay, after high school, now what? Right. Then they would have, if that was my job, I would have been looking for a place to stick you. I would have at least like set up a, because before I wanted to go to culinary school, and the culinary school I wanted to go to, they required you have six months of work experience in a kitchen mm. before you could go, which is really smart. Because a place like Le Cordon Bleu doesn't do that, and the amount of people who finish $50,000 worth of schooling at Le Cordon Bleu, get a kitchen job, realize they're gonna be scrubbing dishes for $8 an hour, and now have 50000 in debt, and don't like the job that they just trained for two years to do, mm. is like, there's a oops. lot of people. Yeah. Big oops. Yeah. Big <laughs> oops. Big oops. Um, so they required six months of uh, work experience, and that's why I got the job there. And like three months in, I was like, I'm not fucking going to school. This is awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning so much. I can't imagine they would teach me more. You're learning so much, school. and you're getting a paycheck, even if it's a small paycheck. Hell yeah. And that feels so like good. 60 hours a week. Getting that sweet, sweet two hundred and fifty dollars paycheck. <laughs> oh, yum, yum, yum! I can pay for gas, maybe. <laughs> God, I made so little. Oh, it was horrible. Ugh, first, like four years of my working life made so little. Oh, maybe longer than that. Yeah, right. It's a painful phase. Oh God, rough. Uh, but yeah, that's. I think those are the important things. So if you find, I mean, there's there's some like magnet schools and stuff out there that really sure. have some very progressive programs, and they are publicly funded, and I think they're slam dunks. Right. You right. Know? Right. But I think it varies so much from school to school, and so sure. you kind of really have to see what's in your area and make your decision. So for you, it's not about the public or private. It's nope. just about what. That's what's inconsequential. Being right. 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 Uh, and I mean, it's just like one of those things where like, yeah, if it's a private school, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of money, right. you know, but it's priorities too. I, I wouldn't even question that. Like, of course, of course that money is money well spent. Right. You know? No, I mean, I, I think the big thing that I, I had a discussion with Anne about this this morning mm -hmm. and I had a point which was, well, obviously I think school over homeschool, right? Socialization is a big thing. We didn't really talk about that, but. I think you get socialization from private or public, right? Sure. Other than you mentioned, and it depends how good. Yeah, there's like there's there's a quality. You're gonna get an education no matter where you go. It's the quality of it. So it's right. the, what's the quality of your diversity? Right. Yeah. Anywho, and then and then I a thought that I had was I think you know especially how developed the internet now is and mm -hmm. the access to the internet like pretty much universally in the United States at least everyone's gonna have access to internet mm -hmm. and have some type of device to access the internet. Of course. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that helps level the playing field. Yeah. And now, I don't really, I love personally, that. I don't really care. I, I kind of said to Anna, like, look, if the public school in my, our neighborhood is, let's say, not the best, mm -hmm. or the quality of teaching and education is not the best, mm -hmm. but 
you know, I, I, I worked the we used the school as like a, a polling location for the election, and I was there for five, six days, and I'm seeing mm-hmm. the kids, I'm seeing smiles, I'm seeing laughter, I'm seeing good energy. That's even though maybe they don't have the nicest textbooks or the teachers aren't like Harvard graduate teachers, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't really care because I know you can go on the internet and find the best algebra one lesson from the best Harvard mathematician ever and it's free on Khan Academy right and so if my kids struggling on a thing like I know where to it's just a matter of presenting them with the resources and the internet is like this powerful resource that's free to anyone and income is not you know an issue to the extent that you got to be able to afford an iPad and Wi-Fi yeah yeah well when teaching is also a dynamic thing it's not like going and getting a bunch of education and being like the most qualified is necessarily going to prepare you for teaching a high school class right you know and everybody's situation is different so you could get a high school teacher who's a million times better than some private school teacher just because the private school teacher was more qualified Mm -hmm. so they got the job right you know so it's like you you can find that i do worry about like i don't know there's a vetting there's a vetting process Mm -hmm. to a private school which is like that weird elitist sort of thing which you know I don't know. There's a lot of like weird inherent racism stuff going on, um, but there's you know you know you're not going to you're going to have stricter guidelines to who's going to be attending that school right. and what influences are going to be around your children. Um, you don't want to shield them, but you you don't want to uh, give them an opportunity to be in a bad situation. Right. I mean, even even in our private school, like I hung out with a group of kids who we would go off campus at lunch and smoke cigarettes and stuff right right you know and while i wasn't like i didn't become a smoker then because of that or whatever um like i feel like that's going to be way more common in a public school that being said i found it in the private school (laughs) so like you can't there's only so much you can do it's hard to keep it out regardless Yeah, Yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah um yeah rich rich kids rebel just as much as poor kids right and you know, private school students are going to rebel too, probably even more, you know, because they don't, you know, you have a lot of parents who are more focused on the income or whatever, maybe. I right. Don't know. right. I don't know. I, I could see it as an argument, and I think, uh, quote unquote, rich people, this is an argument maybe, which is, <clears throat> I think a lot of rich people recognize sometimes that um, just because they're successful is not because they were amazing or the best lawyer or the best chef or whatever a lot of it comes down to connections and i think a lot of rich people think if i put my kid in a school with a bunch of other rich families and they become friends with those kids when they grow up there's going to be more opportunities to get that job with you know your friend joey's dad's business or and get that internship or get into the movie industry or whatever and you go into a public school or a school that has lower income i think there's the worry that you know because let's be real uh, our friend circle is people that we went grew up through our school together, yeah, and I don't yeah. think that I, I think it's common, maybe maybe not super common, but pretty common that your lifelong friends are the people that you became friends with in school. Yeah, and that becomes your I mean, network college is like for success to yeah. some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, my friend Dylan gets a job with my family because he knew me, and then gets into the solar industry, and that set him to then get the job at Tesla in his life. Right? Well, college even more so. I mean, you have a bunch of people going to law school to study law, and then when they all become lawyers, now they're all connected to each right, other. Like, right, yeah. Right, yeah. So it's like the classic. It's the, the classic. Yeah. The ne- classic networking yeah. thing. That's true. That that is definitely something. And that's something to think about. 
when you put your kid into school that you want to try to provide them as yeah. many good opportunities as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So you want them to connect with with successful people, but right. but like that's hard because you want monetary monetary success will it's also not the same. Yeah. yeah, but it'll also help lead to emotional success. Right. You don't if you have parents who aren't worried about paying their bills every week, you're right. probably going to have parents who are more active in your life, right. which is probably going to lead to a more healthy emotional development. Right. Like, right. It's. It's a weird one. I mean, talking yeah. about leveling the playing field, that's one of those things where, like, giving opportunities to people in low-income areas is, like, they have such a bigger hurdle to overcome, mm-hmm. you know? That's why the whole, I mean, we used to, I feel like both of us, when we were younger, used to believe in the whole, like, oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like, well, let me fucking, let me put seven pounds of rocks in your fucking shoes. Now pull your boots up now, bitch. Like, it's such a bad argument, you right. know? right, right. Not to say that, you know, no one can be responsible for their own well-being and their own, you know, making better of their own situation. But, yeah, I mean, you the more you have, the more opportunity to give that to your kids. Right, right. Yeah, and I think it's important not to be completely money-driven. However, mm-hmm. money is just as necessary for survival as water and food. To a point. You know, That's the thing. To, to a, a limit. Point. To a point. Right. To a point. As and soon as you he, don't have to worry about your bills ever, right? You're you're full stop. Like you like take focus the, on other things. Mm-hmm, that's you should you do better shift. now. Right. And that's how you get people who like just hoard money right. and just and they're not happier. They're <clears> not happier. And I grew up around those people who it's like you're making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Why are you miserable, miserable all the time? Why are you slovenly? And like have shitty body and don't do anything productive other than just work. Like you don't have to. Right. You don't have to do that. Yeah. You can make less money, be just as happy as far as paying your bills go. Maybe don't have a Corvette. Right. I think the problem is they every time they get that pay it's increase, a pit. they adjust the the, the price of the lifestyle yeah. and the cost of the lifestyle goes up. So then they have to keep working and then it's this vicious cycle. Well, that's what we talked about on our our last interview too. It's like our last podcast, I should say. It was like, yeah, it's not just about making more money. It's about making more money and needing less. Right. Yeah. You look yeah, at you look at happiness. Equation. Happiness mm-hmm. isn't focused on areas with the highest income. You know, it's focused in areas where the lifestyle is good. I right. mean, you look at like some uh, people's some needs are European low. countries yeah. where like they have this insanely high tax rate and they're not making more money than we are in general. But all of their, they don't have to worry about their needs. Their needs are taken mm-hmm. care of, mm-hmm. you know. So they're 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 freed up to really do other stuff. Right. Be creative. Yeah. Enjoy life. Right. Yeah. Or hyper focus in their field if that's what right. they want to do. Sure. Fine. But they don't have to worry about you know their health care and making sure that all of that's taken care of. <laughs> they don't have to worry about what an ambulance ride costs and <laughs> right. juggle all that. That's crazy pants. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Really, what I'm trying to say is America would be better as a communism. Yeah, if we yeah. just adopted communism. I pray to the manifesto. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you just take the one percent, you just kill them all in like a violent <laughs> riot, and you redistribute the wealth evenly amongst everyone. Right. You make the plumber perfectly. in charge of the science labs. Yep. 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 You're gonna yep. want to do that. Uh, everyone's equal. I I say I say just get rid of the science lab. Just kill all the scientists. Oh, good point. Yeah, right. We Everyone should be artists or farmers, and right. that's it. That's it. Um, and definitely, it won't reform into an oligarchy or a dictatorship because that right. doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's what I'm really. That's really the point of everything I've tried to say today. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, thanks, man. Hey, anything else you want to share or talk about? I don't. I don't think so. Other than how absolutely pumped I am that we're both going to have daughters of a very Dude. similar age. Yeah, man. I was telling Anna, that. that's gonna you be know, so fucking. If Cheyenne's funny. late and Anna's early, uh-huh. they could have the same birthday. Uh-huh. You know, that that'd could be, be cool. Nuts. Joint birthday parties and stuff. I mean, yeah. You better believe Cheyenne's gonna be dressing our daughters up in matching outfits. You better <laughs> fucking believe that's gonna happen. Oh man, that's yeah. one thing. Mine's gonna be super ugly. And then oh, your guys is gonna so. be guys, adorable. No. I have a really look, looking daughter. at race. I'm like, it's hard. That's gonna be that's tough to be. He was a you, quite make, a beautiful baby. We make pretty babies, but your babies are going to be adorable. Mm. Yeah, Anna yeah. was Anna was an ugly baby, and I was an ugly baby. So combined, I don't know. I don't think that's how that works. I don't think that's how that works. You got those Italian genes. Yeah. You, I mean, you look at like you at like two or three years old though sure I was cute like, yeah. super cute you got yeah. those curls and shit mm-hmm. oh man yeah no I'm not I wouldn't be too worried about that man maybe maybe Newborns. as like a baby yeah. maybe as like a little baby it'd be ugly as fuck dude super ugly <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what happens but Race was like I think one of the first babies that I was like oh that's a pretty baby yeah he was pretty you know he came out pretty cause people were like yeah. oh they're so cute things but i'm pumped for that yeah makes me wish we lived just a little closer together although we'll make it work yeah we'll get tired no I, you know i think you know it'd be awesome to see each other on a daily basis like i i i, I even my natural neighbor actually i don't see on a daily basis he's a really sure. cool guy great energy i'm sure we would see each other less than we're imagining we would see each other if we yeah you still closer. live lives but yeah i remember when even we were roommates we didn't necessarily like get to hang out all the time. That's true, actually. You know? That's true. We didn't even hang out that much more often than we do now. It, it was nice to be able to just be like watch a TV show together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that cool. Nice. And especially with the kids, because like, like you know what we can't do is like after school our kids can hang out for an hour. Right. Because like that's, that's just a logistic. trek. Mm-hmm. It's a trek logistically. Pile up. Oh, now it's rush hour. That's yeah. gonna take me an hour and a half to get there. Right. It's you not know. gonna happen. Yeah. 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 But I think weekends, weekends can stuff. be plenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Weekends and like, hey, you're going to train town, travel town. Cool. I'll meet you. I'll meet you there. Right. You know? That's the big one. That's yeah. the big one. And it's also, I mean, that's what we've been doing with family time anyway. Because I was like, okay, Cheyenne had something planned for Saturday morning. I'm gonna have race. I'd, instead of just hanging out with them here, I'm gonna go take them to do something. How about I take them to travel town? Tell my sister. Tell my mom. Both of them are like, sure, yeah, I'll come with you. When they show up. Sure. Yeah. And so yeah. we get some time together and we get to chat. That's so, cool. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited, like you mentioned, Me the summer, you know, get, you know, you guys are going to come by to the lake house and stuff. Yes. Oh, my God. At least a month we're going to spend with you guys out there. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I just won't work. I'll just put it all on credit cards. Totally <laughs> yeah. I'm very Beautiful. Excited. Thanks for thanks for recording, man. My pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Any old time, dude. Thanks for thanks for uh, suggesting it. Yeah, coming over early. I love it. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Love you, man. Love you too. Peace, everyone. Hey guys, thanks for listening. 
By the way, you can find me on Instagram at Nick Zerman. And feel free to send me a message or a comment or a question or any recommendations you might have or people I should talk to or things I should talk about. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next one.